I want to clarify a little bit about this gospel lesson this morning. First of all, this is not Jesus acting as a financial planner. He is not saying that you should give everything you have to the temple and, um, and then carry on. Nor is he um, advocating for poverty. Jesus is not condoning the circumstances that this woman is in. In fact, as you hear in the words just earlier, he is condemning the system that makes her poor and the ways that the Roman Empire had established that made it possible for her to fall deeper and deeper into poverty. So I just want to clarify those two things before we begin to reflect on this passage of Scripture. What Jesus is highlighting as he draws the disciples to himself to teach them from what he is observing is the priority of the kingdom for that widow. Look at her. Jesus says to his disciples. She wants this so much that this is where she chooses to put her money. Now each of us, I know, has had a time in our lives where we have done something that costs money or even maybe bought something, um, gone on a trip, something, where we really didn't have the money for it, right? But we wanted it. Every single one of us has had an occasion where we thought, I really can't afford this, but gosh, this is so important, I'm going to do it. And that is what Jesus is applauding in this woman. More than anything, she wants to see the kingdom of God established. And it's so important to her that she thinks, I only have this much money, and I'm going to give it toward that end, and the rest will figure itself out. Indeed, I have said those very words. This is so important to me. I'm going to put my money here, and somehow I'll make it work. Now this, in contrast with the Pharisees and the scribes who wear their long robes and keep the commandments. I mean, they follow the letter of the law, and they give to the temple. And if you were to compare their gift and this widow's, you would, if you did it just on monetary amount, you would say they're the better ones. But Jesus is challenging us through hearing what he says to the disciples. Because those folks are giving out of their abundance. They actually don't even have to do the math in what they give to the temple. It doesn't really influence their decisions. It's an amount they can afford to let go of and carry on with their life as they always have. And this is where Jesus is calling us to attention. How important is it, he is saying to the disciples, for the kingdom of God to be established? I show you this widow woman and the importance she has placed on it, and I invite you to consider doing the same. Now, if that were just the story, that would be enough, but Jesus is incensed, as we see in the earlier part of the reading we had today. Because those that give a, more, a larger amount to the, the temple because they have so much they can afford to, seem to count this as righteousness. And if you were to challenge them on that, they would have all the reasons that they are doing the right thing. See my strutting? You see how I'm strutting up here? I'm trying to give you a physical presentation of their confidence. And this, Jesus has a real problem with. I'm reminded in his words of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, 
and the reading that is appointed for Ash Wednesday. It's from the 58th chapter. Now Jesus would have known the prophet's words, as would the disciples. So see if you hear the similarities or the tie between Jesus talking to those in his company in the Gospel of Mark and the prophet Isaiah speaking to the Israelites. God says to the prophet, Shout out! Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. They say, why do we fast, God, but you do not see? Why do we humble ourselves, God, but you do not notice? I say to them, look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and depress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast I choose, a day of hu to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? God says, is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then, God says, then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places, and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. This reminds me also of Matthew 25, the story of the last judgment, when Jesus sits on the judgment seat and indicates to those that come before him on what merits he's judging. We are called into this service as followers of Jesus. It seems impossible when we look at it from our position, and indeed none of us can complete this on our own. And it may not be completed in our lifetime. I'm reminded, though, of 
a conversation I had earlier this week when I said to someone, thank you for doing the right thing. And he shrugged and sighed and said, I don't know if it's going to make any difference. And I said, well, the only way the right thing can be done is if someone does it. Isn't that true? The only way the right thing can be done is if someone does it. The only way that the kingdom of God can be brought about is if we do it. And our motivation comes not from the confidence that we'll see it fulfilled, but that God will use our efforts. And even if we don't see the world transformed, made whole by God's transforming love, we will be transformed in our efforts. And so it's with that that I invite Justin Lober to come forward and share his witness. Good morning. Good morning. It's my first time at the 8 o'clock service. <laughs> Year and a half coming to St. Stephen's. Never been to the 8 before. Never sat in the side of the church before, so we're off to a, a good start, right? Um, so my name is Justin. I know I'm unfamiliar to a lot of you. I live here in town. My wife, Denise, um, she's usually, usually the one at church that people know. And uh, she's an English teacher teaching at the Brunswick School in Greenwich. And I have a freshman son attending Richfield High School. And sometimes you can hear him playing a jazz piano in North Hall after the services. Uh, we only started attending here uh, late last summer. Uh, we moved to Ridgefield in 2016 after four years of trying to live in the South. Uh, we had been in Connecticut before that, and then we moved to Charlotte. After four years of still missing home, you figure we should just go back. So we did, and that was in uh, July of 2016. And at the time, we just started attending the church that we had been going to already before we lived in Charlotte, a big church in another town. But it didn't feel right. We wanted to go to church in our own town. But uh, one thing to understand is we're coming out of a lifetime in the evangelical tradition, right? And so when you look at Ridgefield in those eyes, there's not a lot of choices. It's a lot of, you know, name, mainline denominational churches. But we figured we're going to go to church in our town, so we're going to look around and, and see what's out there. <clears throat> so it's kind of funny. We were on vacation in Maine, in York Beach. We had the laptop there, and we were listening to Mother Whitney's sermons on the website. And I was like, Denise, check this out. She's talking about Jesus <laughs> and the Holy Spirit. Come check this out. This is awesome. And uh, so we got back from vacation, and that probably was like August of last summer, and we came here. And uh, we had never set foot in an Episcopalian church before in our lives, and so we didn't know anything about it. One thing I've realized is that like, there's a special name for everything. And uh, we haven't learned a lot of those names yet either over the past year. But we just loved it. We never experienced like a really traditional service before. And, uh, you know, in the evangelical church, there's a lot of pressure sometimes to like make things cool. And we got to do music. We got to do, you know, lights. And we got to have video and this whole thing. And to come in here and just do the tradition was actually like 
surprisingly for us, like, it was just so refreshing. Like, you just didn't have to carry all this pressure of having to do church and make it any certain way. And for being such a turbulent time in our lives of transitioning, and we had friends still in Charlotte and trying to reconnect with friends here, it was just like to come here, and we had like this mystical experience where we came up for communion for the first time ever, and like the sun was beaming through the stained glass window, and the choir was in the back like singing, and you know, it was just like, we were both like kind of overwhelmed by it. And so we just kept coming back, and we ended up really loving it here. And just a few months later was the stewardship campaign for the 2018 season, and we signed up. And uh, that is why I'm here. <laughs> you know, I guess that wasn't such a normal thing to do, to, to so enthusiastically jump into a new church. And that's what I want to talk about. So for us, it's about you know, the local church being where it is. So when I was in Charlotte, I was involved. I chaired a committee that recast the vision for the church. And so you look around at what all the other churches are saying, and they're all saying the same thing about what they do, which when you think about it, at first I was like, oh, that's kind of annoying. But then you think about it, like, that's good, mm -hmm. because all the churches are on the same, you're reading from the same script, right? They're all in the Bible, and the Bible says what the church is supposed to be doing. There's really no question there. There shouldn't be a church that's off doing something that unique. The challenge for a church is to figure out how to do that right where it's located. And for us, with this church being right on Main Street in Ridgefield, and us having committed to living to the, in this town, we just brought a house, we're putting roots down. Like, we love this town, and we know that there are many, many people in town that have real needs. And maybe not, you know, financial or anything like that, but in a way worse, like, hidden, hidden pain, uh, anxiety, depression, addictions, family issues. There's so many things going on in everyone's lives, and the church is so positioned to be a help to them in a real way with, like, counseling and community, but also by showing them Jesus. And so for this church, being where it is right on Main Street, you know, literally, geographically speaking, the heart of Main Street, but I see an opportunity in this church for where it's located to be an emotional heart or a spiritual heart, like the actual heart of Richfield. And uh, to me, that's so exciting, and that's something that I want to be involved in. And so we gladly participate in stewardship and get involved in different things around the church, and it's a real pleasure to do that. And not only that, I'm super excited about it and looking forward to what God is going to be doing at this church and in this town.